Hello and welcome to the Perth to Paisley podcast, episode number 28. It is a podcast entirely dedicated to the football club that actually temporarily became a roaming COVID vaccination centre as they delivered some lovely medicine to Aloha Football Club at the weekend. I am one of your hosts, Daniel McIver, as ever, joined by the fantastic Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, mate. What about yourself? I'm very, very well. Um, we have a lot to speak about today, don't we? We certainly do, yes. The the soap opera continues. Absolutely. So, we don't know how long this one's going to be. Obviously, the last couple of weeks has been a decent length, so we don't know if it'll be close to that, but we will see. However, we will get straight in to the first topic, which is probably a topic I don't think either myself or Adam thought we were going to be speaking about most players uh, most fans sorry didn't think they'd be hearing about however we actually had a departure earlier this week as it was very much out of nowhere confirmed that ollie lee uh, the man who has the joint top assists in the league is leaving back on loan to gillingham and will be seeing out the rest of his contract there the decision has been very publicly made by both ollie and the club that is due to family reasons He's been able to move down incredibly close to his family just to see at the end of his contract. Adam, what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Uh, I've got to be honest, I was very surprised. I think I don't think we're all that surprised that Ollie Lee's away, given Robbie's desire for pacing the team. I think it's more to do with the fact that it came out of the blue, like you mentioned. There was no real rumours, no speculation, nothing like that. And it, to me... It very much reminded me sort of of Anthony McDonald's heart's departure where it is just one of those spontaneous things. You've obviously mentioned the family reasons and whatever. So as much as I liked Ollie Lee, it would have been cruel of hearts to stand in his way given his desire to leave and be with his family. I've got no qualms you know, regarding that and that's fair enough. Um, but ultimately, if it means more game time for the likes of Andy Irving, then I'm not overly against Ollie Lee's departure. I think he's a decent enough midfield player on his day, but we could be looking for better, personally. I think you're pretty much spot on there. Um, Ollie has had an interesting time at heart. He joined and he was a part of that team that kind of rose very quickly at the top of the league, but then fell away rest of the season obviously it was not very successful he was then punted out on loan to Gillingham which I think was a wee bit of a surprise to some people did quite well there by all accounts was by his own admission expecting his Hearts career to be over under Stendhal and Levine however Robbie came in and gave him a phone call and said he wanted him to be a part of it as I said he is the top assists in the league currently however the most famous moment in Ollie Lee's career is one of the highest accolades you can get, really, as a Hearts player, uh, have an Edinburgh Derby named after you, the Ollie Lee Derby, where, of course, we won 1-0 at Easter Road. It's a very important derby for me personally because it was the first derby I ever saw us win at Easter Road after a run of six games in a row, going to each of them and not managing to get a win, which is must be the worst record for a Hearts <laughs> fan in a derby ever. Yours is much better than that, right, at Easter Road? That Ollie Lee derby was my first at Easter Road, and <sighs> I haven't seen Hearts lose at Easter Road. The worst I've seen was the one-all draw where Uche Ikpiezu equalised, 
and Mark McNulty missed a penalty, if my memory serves me, after I think it was a better own goal. Um, well, I hate you. So, yeah, no, Ollie Lee basically started that um, that buzz for, for Easter Road from a personal perspective. Um, I, I think you're spot on in what you said. I, I thought the 18-19 season was his best. Then, well, obviously he missed out on the Scottish Cup final due to injury. Then 1920, he was obviously loaned out, and then Stendhal came in, and it just looked like it was all done. And it's only then, at the start of this season, he sort of crawls back into your memory. So I think he he's proved that he's a key contributor for us in the final third in this league, with assists primarily, and he's obviously also capable of bagging a goal or two. Um, I just felt that he probably gave us more decent memories in the Cup. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a fair statement or not, because... The League Cup winner against Motherwell, or no? Was oh, it... that Decamona pass. Yeah. That was the first thing Decamona ever did, and it that, was amazing. That was one of my favourite goals that season. Or rather, yeah. that was the third, and then Nasey obviously sealed the deal late on, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. And I thought the Scottish Cup semi-final against Inverness, I thought mm-hmm. he was one of our best players that day. Um, but yeah, obviously, there was more to come in the league after that derby winner, but I, I can't begrudge him. I I just feel somewhat sad, but thanks for your service, Ollie, and wish you all the very best. Absolutely. I I'm, I spoke to him very briefly as he left, and he's clearly a very lovely guy. You saw by his post that he's going to keep hearts in his heart, which is all you can really ask for. It's always nice when a player comes in and kind of... I would always say that Ollie Lee was never one of those players that you could accuse of not getting the club, which no. I think a lot of players in his time you could accuse that of. Agree, and I don't know whether that's, I don't know whether that's a foreign thing or even if it's just because nobody knows. I think Hearts have a decent stature in Britain, but it's outside of that where we're lesser known. But again, I I do like when folk that aren't familiar with the club end up loving the club. Obviously, not as much as we do, but I I don't know. It's it's nice, and I, I don't know. I just. I felt as though there was sometimes more to come from Ollie Lee. I don't know whether mm-hmm. that's just personal prerogative or what. Would you would you go along with that? Definitely, because I think sometimes he was made a scapegoat by being played out of position that we spoke about last week. Oh, um, file under Arno Doom and whoever else. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I think a lot. And listen, I, he, he always looked like he was running in quicksand. <laughs> like he wasn't exactly the fastest, as you alluded to earlier. However, that wasn't his game, and I felt a lot of the time. He was exposed for that by playing out a position, which didn't help him. Yeah, t- totally agree. And I, I don't know what else there is to say. Just thanks thanks for the memories, I guess. <laughs> thanks for the Absolutely. memories. Good luck down there. We'll always remember that derby. However, Absolutely. we will move on um, to a man who currently is not associated with Heart of Midlothian, but is arguably associated with the club more than any other human being on the planet. It is the current Inverness manager, John Robertson, uh, came out earlier in the week and made it... It was a very important moment, I think, for kind of Scottish football as the wider world is becoming more and more accepting of particularly men speaking about their mental health. However, football kind of lacks in that department, much like it lacks in a lot of departments in terms of advancing society. However... Robbo came out and spoke very openly and very candidly about how these, this pandemic, 
is really negatively affecting his mental health, which I think every single person in the world can kind of sympathise with and go along with. He spoke about how he had the pressure of being a football manager, so still in work in a time where most of the population is either not working at all or if they are working, not working in the ideal circumstances. How he had to be often the guy that players would go to, like a typical football manager, but then have to deal with his own mental health as there's no one there for managers. Um, First of all, before I go any further, what did you think of Robbo coming out and speaking about this in such a time? Honestly, I, I, I absolutely adore John Robertson. For me, he is the epitome of Heart and Midlothian legend. I mean, you know what they say in that your dad kind of picks your team for you and my dad absolutely idolised Robbo. Um, so, of course, I'm going to have that same soft spot. I think it, it took me by surprise when he came out and said that, to be honest. It just... I don't know. I, 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 it's funny because... I think everybody's suffered to an extent and I'd, I've had I've sort of given out my story to whatever, to the Herald and whatever but when mm-hmm. I was at college I did a graded unit on men's mental health and went specifically to football and even then it, it's easy to see why footballers suffer from mental health for me because it, it, in a squad if you're not performing and somebody comes in that must just be heartbreaking, but then it's up to you to, you know, gain your place back, if you like. And I just think even players of su- such stature, I can remember writing about, you know the boy Bojan that came through at Barcelona? Who was tipped to be the next Messi. Yeah. You know, when you don't reach that stage, it must just be it must just be heart-wrenching. Like, it, I think it's so easy to get caught in such a negative mindset after that. So it just goes to show that no matter your walk of life, no matter your reputation, all everything goes out the window. If you suffer, you suffer. And I just want to wish John Robertson all the very best. Here's hoping that it's only a temporary bugbear that he's got that will be out of this soon. And because he's, for me, he's certainly one of the best managers in this division and he's been touted for a number of top jobs in Scotland. So I... I wouldn't be surprised to see Robbo in a decent decent manager. Not that Inverness isn't decent, but a, a better managerial gig soon. And I just think that there's progress to be made, both mentally and in, obviously, his career. And fingers crossed that everything works out for him because he's a top guy. Absolutely. Listen, men's mental health is not spoken about near enough as it is the most common victim of suicide is men due to that that is part of it toxic masculinity is the most fucking bullshit thing that is part of our society and it is always really helpful when players in such or managers sorry in such influence come out of course in our own club over the past couple years we've had jake mulraney and sean clare in particular come out and speak about how they've seen sports scientists and therapists about the pressures of being a footballer as you said obviously when players come in to replace you or when you have a lot of pressure put on you in terms of living up to it but for example just imagine if you listen everybody's had a rubbish day at their work but we all have the luxury of not having to do that in front of thousands and thousands of people and then millions of people watching at home so it's really really crucial that people like this people like Robbo are coming out and speaking about it, and as Adam said, 
absolutely all our thoughts go out to Robbo and anybody else who's currently suffering from anything at all. It will get better. <laughs> uh, I know it really doesn't look like that just now. However, please just open up to somebody, speak to someone, don't bottle it in. We've all done it, but just please open up and speak to people. However... Sorry, mate, can I just add to that? Yeah. Obviously, both of us are contactable on Twitter or whatever. We're only a mm-hmm. message away. Same with the Perth to Paisley account. If you want to get me on there, I can log Daniel in if you want to talk to him, whoever. So we're only a message away, and please do not hesitate because it's vitally important. Of course. Sadly, we now have to move on to a topic that Adam doesn't know is related to this. Do you, Adam? No, I was intrigued when I received a message from you earlier on, so carry on. So, we're about to move on to something that, if you also listening are not aware is related, might be confused as to how it's related. So, it came out midweek that Ian Maxwell has contacted all championship club after, a uh, club, sorry, after one championship club made it clear to him and the SFA that they wished for all football to be suspended. Now, before I explain how it's related, what was your initial reaction? Because that was met, that announcement was met by a lot of anger by football fans. And quite rightly so. I think the SFA and the SPFL, they haven't shown themselves to be very consistent, have they? Um, no. I, I don't get the shutting down of Leagues 1 and 2 and all levels below that but you're going to keep the top two going. And I think the contrast with, obviously, part-time clubs in the championship and full-time clubs in those bottom two leagues, it doesn't add up to me. And I don't know, I'm intrigued to what you're going to go on and say because I think they've got every right to be angry, personally. Well, this is the thing. Of course, they'd be angry anyway, just regardless of the situation. However... What is most infuriating, which both myself, you, and all people of kind of Hearts, Rangers, Partick, and kind of the teams that wanted to keep it going, and their fans, the most common response was, but these teams have been given half a million. We spoke about it last week, that 10% of the money is required to test. So there really is, as Robbie Nielsen said after the Alloa game, which, by the way, yeah, we do have a game to speak about as well, but we will get, <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, Robin Nielsen himself said, there is no excuse, there is absolutely zero excuse for clubs not to test if they use the excuse that they can't afford it, because otherwise we need to have investigations into what these clubs have used the money for. So, this led to a lot of people going, who asked for the league to be suspended? Not just the league, sorry, Ian Maxwell stated that the individual club stated that all Scottish football should be at least halted. Now, Adam, to your understanding, who is the club? I had heard through, you know, word of mouth that, that the club was in question Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. But I don't know that for certain. That was merely, you know, speculation. So, it was the belief that it was Inverness. That was the belief amongst everybody. However... I don't know why, can I just say, but... Well, (laughs) here's why. Inverness's CEO 
came out, or Chief Operating Officer, I cannot remember. Oh, here we go. It turns out, Adam, no club asked for it. Yeah. Again, not surprising. I mean, it's just... But do you know why they thought it was happening? No, why? Ian Maxwell read John Robertson's article and went, he's wanting all football to be stopped. So that then sparks the supposed the supposed rumours that Inverness were the ones that wanted it stopped. Purely so Ian Robo's Maxwell... Art. That is an absolute disgrace. That's a farce, but go on. Ian Maxwell has went, Inverness are publicly asking for the football to be stopped, so we'll ask the clubs. So what should be a really fantastic individual thing obviously not fantastic that Robbo's going through it but fantastic that Robbo is being confident enough highlighting the issues yeah absolutely to speak out he has had that twisted disgustingly into a situation that could have put his own club at financial risk all clubs around them at financial risk slash more infighting within clubs as other clubs such as ourselves go right who who did this and the biggest worry is, because obviously there is the whole separate point that a lot of people are focusing on, quite rightly, as you just said, it's an absolute farce. That is not how you do shit like this. You don't just go, ah, he's kind of saying that, it's fine. The worry is, is that it could stop people speaking out like this in the future because they're worried about the impact that this fucking governing body is going to take as a result of it. Honestly, when are these charlatans getting replaced? There is genuinely... I don't, I don't know what the solution is, though. This is the annoying thing, because everybody wants the likes of Neil Doncaster out and whoever. But who's going to be interested enough to... Well, I, get, I guess money is obviously a big factor. I mean, you offer me 350 grand, and I'll speak to you about curling. So, I, I don't know, it just... I don't know what the solution is to replace these clowns in charge of the SPFL because fan representation wouldn't work given such divides. I just... What what, what would be your your ideal world? Um, well, first of all, get rid of everybody currently in charge, but it's just... That, that goes um, without saying. <laughs> yeah. Allow the member clubs to have more influence, but have a panel or a judiciary system or a just board of members that they currently have that that's actually give a external shit. external or whatever, but care about yeah, the Scottish Yeah, that's independent. Yeah. That just, that isn't That probably is the only devoted, decent solution, to be honest. But Yeah, that isn't completely devoted to Rangers and Celtic or certain clubs, and certain clubs' former members shouldn't be allowed to be on the board. Like, Rod Petrie being on the board is just shambolic because doesn't matter if he's no longer employed by Hebs or Owens Hebs or blah, blah, blah. There is going to be a bias there, and there's going to be a bias against his rivals club. So it needs to have an independent governing body that looks at it. And I know people will go, well, they're probably going to be fans of certain clubs. However, they're paid enough to be objective, Why don't, and they should be. Why don't the SPFL and SFA swap places with the FA? Just to mess everything up. I think that would fuck up a lot more stuff. <laughs> I mean, not even Neil Doncaster could surely get rid of the multi-billion pound Premier League deal. I True. don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it, it'd be interesting. 
It's just very, it's just very adequately used word depressing that an individual of a football club came out and was very vulnerable and very open about his mental health struggles and the SFA and Ian Maxwell have just taken his words primarily out of context and potentially made a move that could be damaging further to that individual. And then they wonder why folk don't speak out. I mean, exactly. just how ironic that we're obviously recording on Blue Monday. Let's just move on from all this. I don't, I don't want to talk about all this shenanigans. Well, thankfully, there is only positive things from here on out, as Heart of Midlothian did indeed play a game of football again for the first time in, like, ages, which is always a positive. Um, we travelled to Alloa. Uh, the last time we were in Alloa, we obviously had that absolutely horrific League Cup exit. Um, I think a lot of us were going there with confidence in the sense of that we were thinking, right, but we should be winning this time. I know the confidence is probably low in terms of, oh, but we're rubbish away from home. But I think every Hearts fan was like, right, we should be beating them. Especially with the Josh Janelli's back, Smith's back, Boyce's back, Gary McKay-Stevens' back. So, taking all of that into consideration, could you, Adam, sum up Twitter's reaction when we saw the front three that lined up for Hearts at the weekend? No, I couldn't. I, I probably should have screen recorded the Perth to Paisley timeline at around quarter to two on Saturday afternoon, to be honest. Um, if you're asking me for my personal thoughts, I thought that that team was an absolute insult. I thought it reeked of arrogance from the manager. This is a side that we, as you touched on, had previously lost to at their place on that dreaded pitch with a team containing a few internationals and was arguably a couple bodies away from being considered our strongest eleven. To then, a few months later, at the same venue, select, in essence, what is a backup brigade to get a result against that same side, I thought was embarrassing, personally, before kick-off. And I did accept that Hearts could make me look like a fool. You could argue that they have done but I remember sending the message into my group chat and into you and Laurie saying that this is in before three 0 Hearts because I was I was just losing my marbles at that team selection. I dread to think of the reaction that you would have seen from various jambos had we lost that match with some of the second string out there. Personally, well, this is interesting then because I only had issues with four players. Okay. What the front four, basically? No. Right. Oh yeah, Walker. I Walker. Yeah. I. So five players then. Um, however, I I would disagree that it was a second string side nearly. I think the only second string aspect of it was the front three. I think the other eight was as almost as close to like all the other eight you could argue could get in our first team. No. Of course, but if we if we struggled to score at that venue last time, no meaning to be too disrespectful here, but selecting Ewan Henderson, Jordan Roberts, and Elliot Freer as a front three, it hardly screams confidence to me. Well, this is the thing. This is where we differ, but also agree. So I agree that that front three is completely and utterly out of its depth, even at Aloha. Like. 
it's a shocking front three. But I disagree in two parts. I, I disagree that the reason they were played is because Robbie Nielsen was arrogant. I think they were played for two reasons. One, Robbie has it, and it's an issue I have with Nielsen, is that he always plays to his opposition. He, he very rarely just puts out his 11 and trusts them to get it done. And I said on Twitter before the game, I was like, that works when you're playing at the top end of the Scottish Premiership or in other big competitions. But Hearts should be able to just field their best 11 and it should be able to beat Aloha. I think that's it's, a great point. Can I just say that that to me perfectly encapsulates it because rather than worry about what other teams are going to do to us, particularly in this league, we should have teams worry about what we're going to do to them. Mm-hmm. I, I totally thing, agree. Well, I'm glad that you do. I'm interested <laughs> to hear your point on this point. Um, on. I think there was justification for not starting the players that didn't start. The worry that I, the reason I was annoyed is not that oh they weren't starting. That was obviously annoying. My main annoyance was that when they don't start, look at what we have as options. So you could make arguments that Gary Mackay Stephen hadn't played football in a month. Probably not great to start him on an awful plastic pitch in the freezing cold. Josh Janelli, just back from a long-term injury and COVID, probably not great to start him either. Liam Boyce, just coming back from a niggling injury, don't really want to start him on that pitch. Naismith's knee wouldn't be able to last on that pitch and Peter Herring wouldn't be able to last on that pitch. So I think not starting the five, well, some fans, will that will be the main annoyance. But my main annoyance was that, God, when we don't have that five, look what we have to rely on. And that was the anger and the worry from me. I'm not... I'm. <laughs> Again, you, your justification for not selecting those players is a good point. I, out, of all, out of that trio of probably GMS, Ginelli and Boyce, I think Gary mckay Stephen is the one that I most expected not to start. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered where the likes of A.D. White, Craig Whiten and whoever else were. Cause I don't Craig Whiten is the big one. Where is he? Because <laughs> they were totally omitted from the match day squad, which I I cannot fathom at all. Um, listen, I, I the first eleven should pick itself, but mm-hmm. after that, we still need work. A, 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 a few tweaks here and there, personally. I fully agree, and I think as we now get into the game, the at least the first thirty five minutes very much showed that. Um, yeah. My my main takeaway from it was that it was so predictable. It, every single move that we had that started at the back was Craig Gordon rolled the ball out to Craig Halkett, who played it out wide to Michael Smith, who took a fantastic forward touch and then put up his hands to be like, Where, where's an option? He would then just have to send it down the line for Ewan Henderson for the first 20 minutes and then Jordan Roberts for the remaining 25 of that first half, and neither of them could do anything with the ball, Alloa would get it, and then just punt it back up to us, and the whole system would start again for 35 minutes. Yeah, so predictable, like you say. There was no, As much as Alloa did nothing, I don't think we particularly had that many opportunities prior to scoring. There was sort of a Halkett The Halkett header. chance, and that was it. Yeah, the Halkett header, and struggling to really connect with a corner... And I think Andy Irving. How they played? Through. 
Halliday uh, played a really nice ball to Ewan Henderson. Oh, was it Halliday? I thought it was Irving. Yeah. Oh, no, it was Halliday. Oh, apologies. Um, but again, that that was about all that she wrote until we, we opened the scoring. Well, as you mentioned, we did open the scoring. Um, the ball came in from a corner on the far side. It got headed out to Andy Irving, who just re- basically just went... I'm going to just prove why I am the most important player in this team currently. Took a touch on the edge of the box and just hit an absolute raker. I, do, I will say, I do think the keeper could have done a wee bit better. However, I'm not going to complain. Interesting. Adam, we need to, we need to sign him to a five-year deal. Of course we do. It's it's a ridiculous strike. He, he only scores screamers. He's just, he's just superb, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, everybody knows my thoughts about him. The nickname that obviously we mentioned on the pod and I tweeted out, I think it was that Aberdeen game, twenty mm-hmm. was it December 2018 or something? I just... I 2019, 2019, surely. sorry. I have backed Andy Irving from Day Dot and I love the fact that he just continues to go from strength to strength. I've, I've long ran out of superlatives and it, it, it's funny, the goal... Andy Halliday screaming for the cutback of sorts was hilarious before he just <laughs> before Irving just shows what he's got in the locker. I think the best comparison that I can give him is his ability to pick a pass. He's capable of scoring a screamer. He's got the lot, and I think in the championship, Charlie Adams proving a bit of a media darling. And to me, Andy Irving is he just reeks of like a younger, fitter better looking Charlie Adam with that left peg he's, he's one of my favourite Hearts players and I find it so depressing that he's younger than me honestly yeah he's my sister's age <laughs> as mine I think I think he's I think what? me and my dad worked it out I think he's a month older than my sister <laughs> bonkers it is definitely depressing however what's not depressing is how well he's playing I couldn't agree more He's just so influential, and he's twenty. And often, it is a what is a bit depressing is the fact that often we're having to rely on a twenty-year-old to unlock anything. I was just about to say exactly that. It's ridiculous how a club of our stature can be so dependent on a twenty-year-old. But never mind. Well, from that point on, I would say we'll get more into it in the second half. But I think we were actually pretty good. Uh, this, the second goal comes not long after. It's actually quite a nice we. Passage of play. Michael Smith throws it to Jamie Walker, who feeds it into Roberts's feet, who immediately gives him the one-two. Walker sends a ball to the far post, and the Elliot Freer kind of slide in slash lunging in, puts it into the roof of the net, and Elliot Freer has scored another goal for Hearts. Yeah, and like you say, I, I thought it was pretty easy on the eye. There was a tidy wee one-two between Roberts and Walker, like you mentioned. I think it's a decent ball from Jamie Walker, but I think it's a much trickier finish than folk think for Freer because mm. he's not got a lot of time. He's sliding in on that park and I just feel as though so many other players would snatch at that or balloon it over the bar. So I think, all things considered, it's a pretty cool, calm, composed finish from a guy similar to Henderson that's sort of looking to make the most of the opportunity that's in front of him. I think... Particularly with the GMS signing, it's a massive boost. And I think it's a reminder that to Robbie or basically everybody associated with Hearts that he can contribute given the chance. 
and uh, yeah, I I just I just thought he took his goal really well, considering, in my personal opinion, it's a harder chance than folk might think. My only sort of bugbear, I I'd go as far as saying that first half was how greedy Ewan Henderson was, and <sighs> sort of the annoyance came from for me with him not getting his head up. I understand that. He's young, he's been given the opportunity to impress in this particular game. But it's a team game. And it just feels as though his decision-making left a lot to be desired. Obviously, I've been inclined to hear about your thoughts about you and Henderson, given you're not his biggest fan. Well, that actually perfectly segues on to something I want to speak about. So the first half ends, it's 2-0. The, the front three, as we mentioned, was put under a lot of scrutiny. Um, before the game Elliot Freer I will actually give a pass to this game I don't think he did a lot but he did end up scoring and as Adam said it was a very nice finish so even just for this game I'll give him a pass but Jordan Roberts and Ewan Henderson are just not good enough totally agree totally agree I I, I was intrigued I I think as soon as you said Elliot Freer I'll give a pass to I, I knew where it was going and I mean, Stevie Wonder can see it. So, yeah. just The most infuriating thing about them both is that they do they, they did something that we will get on to speak about in the second half with what changed, but twice. Because as I said, Henderson started on the right and then after 20 minutes moved into the middle because Jordan Roberts did... I, I legitimately don't think he touched the ball in the opening 20 minutes as the meant-to-be number nine leading the line and stuff like that and then Roberts moved out wide both men had opportunities that when Smith passed the ball to them they had that left back in front of them but had time to be able to kind of either knock it past them and run on or play a nice wee ball inside and then make a run and both times they just stopped cut back and played it back to Smith and it was at that point where you could hear Nielsen just shout, Jordan, you need to move, and Ewan, you need to run. And it's that when wingers especially, whose whole game is about pace, hitting the byline, crossing balls in, if you have to tell them as grown adults, you need to run, they're not going to do it. They're just, they're failing at their job, and there's no point in even trying with them. To me, I I think, personally think that it might just be a, a confidence thing I don't know I I mean I don't know either of them I I just feel with what we talked about earlier perhaps it is just a case of having that bit more belief I mean you're here for a reason so it's up to you to go and prove that you deserve to be here I don't know if that's too harsh but it just that's what it, that's what it feels like from an outsider looking in I think you. I think this is the thing. As you said, you you mentioned that I of. I'm not Ewan Henderson's biggest fan. However, I'll kind of give Ewan Henderson a wee bit of a pass in the sense of his confidence stuff because he is still really young. Of like, course, he still he still has his whole career. I kind of don't get that excuse where you go with Roberts, where it's no. like, come on, you, you know you should do this. It's like. He's meant to be in the prime of his career. If he can't do it against Aloha, he's not going to do it against anyone that we need him to do it against. No, you're right, mate. You're right. But my sort of... I don't know. 
I just I just feel as though there's fans crying out for Lewis Moore and I cannot I can't understand how Jordan Roberts is perceived to give more than Lewis Moore could. I, I agree. I am I think he deserves a chance like, and it just seems like he's out it just seems to have been totally discarded by Robbie and I don't know why that's the case because under Stendhal he was developing all the time and arguably looked one of our better players toward the end of Stendhal's reign. Sorry to cut you off, but that's just just how I feel. No, it's all right. You're right. However, I would... <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but I don't buy into Lewis Moore as everybody else does. I think he definitely improved under Stendhal. He definitely was one of our better players in the season, but I don't think that was very hard to do. At no, the same time. No, of, 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 of course, I agree. But I just think that he, he can't be doing... Like, what does Jordan Roberts contribute? You're, you're not telling me that Lewis Moore couldn't give less than Jordan Roberts currently yeah. is. You know? Yeah, you're right. It, it's all about upgrading. And that was kind of my thinking behind the GMS signing when you kind of initially dismissed it. You know, we have to be looking for better all the time. And I just... Jordan Roberts has had plenty of opportunities and just doesn't appear to want to take any of them so far. Well, that that perfectly segues into Gary Mackay-Steven making his debut and he replaced Jordan Roberts on the right-hand side. And no exaggeration, six seconds into the second half, a ball got played up to Gary Mackay-Steven. He controlled it, beat his man, got into the box and played a ball across. Roberts hadn't done that in 45 minutes and Roberts hasn't really done that all season. Say no more. That, that That's the difference. That What else can I say? I could sum it up in three words. That's the difference. Simple. And I think, I think that kind of told the story of the second half because I actually thought we were very good because that second half performance is exactly what I expect us to do against the majority of teams in this league. Constantly free-flowing, constantly attacking, really dynamic. Yes, there was a couple of scary moments when on the 50th minute, Berra just passed it back to Gordon when he had a runner. Just like, at him. And it was like, Christoph, mate, what are you doing? Honestly, I'm delighted you brought this up because I wanted to ask you particularly. Why are we still so poor defensively? The goal that we concede is a disgrace. And the last time around in this league under Robbie, I cannot remember us conceding such soft and easily avoidable goals. The gaffer is a former defender. Like, wh- why? Why is this the case? Even under Levine, another former defender, we were shocking at the back. You know what is it that we just? Is it personnel? Is it something? Is it something other personnel. than that? Do you I think it's personnel? Christoph Berra. <laughs> but but it can't just be better, surely. Well, Berra's at fault partly for that goal in terms of... it. it it's hard because both the centre-halves actually step up when the full-backs don't. So you can argue it's either the full-backs at fault for not stepping up... Or the centre-halves. centre-halves for stepping up. <laughs> right. But it allowed a gap to form where the Aloha guy was onside, basically. If they'd either all stepped up, then he would have been offside. Or if all of them had stayed deep, it would have had more cover to probably block the shot. Oh, do you know what I've just thought of? 
just as you saying that in terms of a defensive unit moving forward do you remember when we went to Ibrox top of the league the Rangers came yeah the offside trap oh my god oh I just got a horrible flashback there let's move on that was the worst thing ever however not talking about the worst thing ever that second half because the front three was completely subbed off Roberts Freer and Henderson and the new front three came on, which is the front three that we will be playing when everybody is fit. And, oh my... G- I am in love with Josh Ginelli. <laughs> Who isn't? That that front three coming on, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want to say I slated Robbie for his team selection, but I, I was a bit too harsh. I do love the fact that it sort of 2-0 up, or even when we're in full control of the game that he then brings on those game changers, as though to say, we're not done yet. You know, it just... What an upgrade. In every in every aspect, every department. It's, Literally every department. It, it is genuinely night and day. And that... I, I don't know. When, when was the last time we had such an exciting sort of trio in attack? I was actually saying that on Twitter, that because of news that we will get to towards the end of this, that it's it's so rare that hearts get told you're having a fast, attacking, direct, pacey winger and they actually come in and do that. In the last seven years, I can think of two. Ginelli, and he's only played like <laughs> a handful of games. games. <laughs> and Milinkovic. Good shout. Yeah, I like David Milinkovic. Good Apart shout. from that, has anybody done it? Not. Obviously, Gary McKay-Steven is, like, we can't judge it. He's only had 45 minutes not fully fit, no, and he was still really good. But we can't make a judgment on that. He is now a good signing. Like, But we've we've seen, it's something like, Janelli's played less than two hours of football combined over the last four games, and he's got three goals. Say no more. Get, gets in great areas. It's not even that it, it has to be him, I'm, I just think he's pretty selfless at times as well. He, this he understands what Ewan Henderson doesn't, and that it's about the greater good. In, in my eyes, I just it, it it excites me, and I don't think I was thinking about the the sort of front three when you said there. When you mentioned David Milinkovic, I've not been this excited in an attacking sense since probably the front three was sort of a, a mismatch, and that it was Milinkovic, Naismith, and Lafferty. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, fu- I, f- I fully agree with that. Um, as I said, we were kind of throwing everything forward. I will have said people are going to give me shit for this, but Jamie Walker missed three sitters. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Walker's performance because he squandered a fair few. I'd, I had two in my head, but the fact that you've then said three. Yeah. Because he misses two, one that comes over the top where he just takes about 10 years to make contact with it, one that comes to him along the ground that he puts into the side netting, and then the one that he should score before Boyce puts it in that was deemed offside as well. <laughs> I, I think the one where he hits it on the volley over the bar is the worst, because yes. he's, he's literally free at the back stick, can take a touch with his left foot, shift it onto his right and sort of open the body and kind of bend it past Neil Parry. But, but he does what I had the fear of that Elliot Freer would do, and he snatches at it, rushes it, and balloons it over the bar. So, I, I don't know. I, 
can, can I just say on that Liam Boyce goal, it would have been the most heart of loathing thing I'd ever seen had Liam Boyce's goal, which should have stood from the pictures that I've seen regarding a. Oh, he's the most. He's the most on side you can be. Exactly. Like, to then go up and be instantly punished against ten men and therefore squandering a two-goal lead in the process. I, I was as soon as Josh Janelli sealed the deal, I was like, "Thank God for that." I am, um, as you can probably imagine, after Jamie Walker got that assist and had a decent first half, I had literally tens of tweets <laughs> tweeted to me, going, "How do you feel now? He's, he's having a very good half." Lads, and it was lads, it's fucking Aloha! Hold, hold on I a expect him to do that! I expect him to do well against Morton! It's not an achievement that he's doing it against the worst teams in the league! I want him doing it every week against the best teams! Not Imagine, right, if you deemed messy by the fact that he gets a hat-trick against Getafe... Wait, no, that's not the standards that you hold Messi to. Aloha, Morton, Queen of the South are not the standards I hold Jamie Walker to and no one should hold those standards to Jamie Walker. How has this become a thing that every week I end up having a rant about Jamie Walker? We won! What am I doing with my life? <laughs> that is incredible. I love that. Even a 3-1 win in which, like you say, he's registered an assist. You've still found a reason. Honestly... The jam- I just want a-, a wee disclaimer now. The jambles that fire Daniel abuse regarding Jamie Walker. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Because this this is top tier content that I want to be seeing every single week. So keep it going. It's going to get to the stage where he's going to get hat tricks weekly. And I'm going to be like, well, he, he wasn't tracking back. So the entire the timeline will just be abuse directed towards at MacIver the Mark. I promise you, though, he'll never be getting hat tricks weekly. He won't even be getting a, another hat. I'm calling it now. Jamie Walker won't get a hat trick this season. I think you should start retweeting this abuse that you're getting. Uh, honestly, no, I'm, because then it'll further add to it. You know how you're back in Smith. I'm gonna start yeah. chucking a pound on each week for a Jamie no! Walker hat trick. No, a Jamie Walker hat trick, and the no. one week that when it comes in. <laughs> I can turn to you and just see the abuse coming in. Well, as Adam did say, Alawa went down to 10 men. It was a double yellow card, both from the young left-back, who, as soon as Gary McKay, Stephen came on, he kind of just shit himself. Um, Gary won both three kicks, got both yellows. What was your view on the red card as Peter Grant has made it very clear he does not feel like it was a red card. Of, of course he doesn't. It's, what, what can I say? It's, it's two daft challenges against a player that ultimately bends him up. So, n- nothing more to say. I think it was... I think it was sort of inevitable, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Do you not, do you not think? Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't understand how Peter Grant was like, the young boy headed the ball into Gary McKay-Steven. If you watch the film from friend of the podcast, Jordan Allen, he doesn't. He fully clatters into Gary McKay, Stephen. Honestly, there's there's no defending it. I just And Peter Grant was, was a nice guy when I was through the last time with, with the interview and whatever, but yeah, just... Wayne, don't talk a lot of nonsense. 
Well, what he should do is take his fucking medicine. Because, as we said, Alawa did get a goal, but right at the very end, Josh Ginelli broke from an Alawa free kick where their goalkeeper was up to try and get a result. He, the defender, for some reason, doesn't just take out Ginelli. I don't understand why he doesn't do that. He tries to kind of Because Josh Ginelli bullies him. That's how he does. He does. Um, Josh Ginelli just runs through and almost like mocks the other defender because he could hit it for about three seconds before he actually does. But he lets the defender get all the way up to him, then just taps it into the open net. And um, ah, that's when my Saturday night became very busy. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I I get the impression that he's just not wanting to squander that chance because it is such a glorious chance that obviously we're presented and in days of old I'm fully expecting Hearts to somehow mess it up but I think it's just a case of just ensuring that he's set himself just enough to roll it in rather than obviously getting clattered or I don't know putting it out for a throw in but um, yeah no, of course seals the deal and at that stage it's it's relief because as much as we were, you know, in control of the match, they're still in the game at 2-1. And I think, obviously, as I mentioned with the Liam Boyce goal, was fully expecting them to equalise. So, well done. Just delighted that that's the case. However, talk to me about Twitter, because obviously I retweeted you off Perth to Paisley. I don't know who else did, but then I just saw the notifications just go nuts. <laughs> Fucking everybody did. Um, so, yeah, if... Somehow you've not seen it yet. Uh, even if you don't follow me on Twitter, you probably have seen my tweet. Basically, Josh Janelli scores, and as yet, an unidentifiable voice from the heart of Midlothian bench screams to Peter Grant, there's your fucking medicine. After, of course, when we got beat by Alloa in the League Cup in November, Peter Grant said that Robin Nielsen should just take his medicine and get on with it. I just sent that out just kind of like, oh, I've noticed that, that's funny. Then articles were being made about it. The next day, the official club Twitter tweeted about the medicine thing. It's just, I, I need to know who it was. Who do we, right, who do we, as Perth to Pays as a podcast, think it was? Because everybody thinks it was Lockie, but it doesn't sound as bonny rig enough. No, I, I don't think it did either. I, I was convinced it was the gaffer, to be honest, but... Now now there's sort of a bit of self-doubt starting to creep in. I don't know whether it might be Lee McCulloch or, or somebody like that. I don't know. Well, in, again, Jordan Allen's film, when it happens, Gordon Forrest is looking towards their bench. So it might be wee Gogs. The quiet one. <laughs> just lets it explode. He's just, he's just taken enough in and it's just released. I love it. I love it. And that that is tremendous patter, I have to say. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen it somehow, just go to my Twitter, uh, you'll see it there. But I think it summed up every Hearts fan's reaction. Um, obviously, the just in, indescribable beef that Heart of Midlothian and Aloe Athletics Football Club now inexplicably have. Um, it did feel quite good. It did mean that we went seven points clear at the top of the table after Morton did us a huge favour and drew nil-nil in what is I didn't watch it but is 
in what has been oh. described as an absolutely dreadful oh. game of football. Did I you see it? Yeah, I did. And I'd still rather watch that than Liverpool Man United, to be honest. Well, yeah, that was also Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, seven points clear. Going into a very important week of fixtures, how are you feeling? Good. Uh, good. I, I think I think the, the two Fife teams will probably pose our biggest threat. And ultimately, if we come out with wins against them... There should there should be no stopping us really. That's my sort of thoughts regarding it. How are you feeling? I think if we win this, see if the next time, no, not the next time we come and record, but by the time we finish this three games, Wraith twice and Dunfermline, if we've won all three of those games, I think that's the league one. Yeah, to- totally agree. I I I would fully go along with that. Just think it seems to then be a nap, but. We've just got to take them seriously, and hopefully that's drummed into the squad. I think, I think at home in particular, it should be all right. That the Dunfermline game is probably the bigger concern, but the fact that it's at Tiny, I think, is a consolation for us. Mm-hmm. So um, they've just got to go out and do the business and prove that that's the case. Absolutely. So before we get into properly previewing the Wraith game, we have kind of transfers and contract discussions to speak about, as the fantastic news that has come out in the last kind of 12 hours or so on the day that we were recording this Monday it has been discussed that Andy Irving first of all uh, basically feels like the contract will get done music to my ears I think um, when he said it was in an interview amongst him speaking about his football generally, how he wants to add more to his physical game and how he feels the game's changing. So he wants to match that. But of course, the main point is that he's very happy here. He's enjoying his game time and that he does think the contract will get signed. How crucial do you think signing Andy Irving to a long-term deal is to this side? Massive. Because like we said earlier on, He's just one of the most, if not the most, forward-thinking player at the club. And I think he highlights our intent to sort of carve out opportunities, create chances, look to win games. I've basically accepted that he'll move on at some stage, but I just hope that the club do the right thing. And obviously now that that's been, or that seems to be the case, it's fantastic and that we're tying him down for the long term and cashing in obviously where it's appropriate with a sell-on fee or whatever because I don't want to file him in that same bracket of the likes of Callum Patterson, Sam Nicholson where the club bring through a promising player fully capable of competing in a Hearts jersey and then lo and behold they're undersold because we haven't used our nut and cashed in when necessary. Fully, fully agree. Um I just really because he is one of those players that has future captain written all over him. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. I think I don't know whether that's just because he's an academy graduate and boyhood jambo that it just has that feel about it. But yeah, and obviously you're gonna mention Josh Janelli as well. You can file him under sort of that same that same feel, and that he's one of our more forward thinking players as well. I think. I think there's every chance that he will. He seems to really be enjoying it here. But I think for him, I almost feel sorry for him because it it must just give you such a buzz playing at a packed out tiny. And while we can't fill it out at the minute, it must be a a 
contributing factor as to why you sign, given that hostile, you know, cauldron that Tynecastle can become. I think if the likes of your Josh Janellis and Stephen Kingsley's, who again I'd like to see offered a deal to, think that playing for Hearts in the Championships, you know, all right in terms of the sport they receive now. Can you imagine that first derby or up against either of the old firm or Aberdeen? Like it'll just be bedlam. Particularly well, if we a, get a result. Yeah. Um I am I am in love with Josh Janelli. <laughs> I just like he's played almost no games and he's just been incredible so far. That that goal that he scores, I said on Twitter earlier today, he's not even running at full pace and still just absolutely obliterates the guy. I think it's I think it's so crucial we get him on a deal. Apparently, it's going to be a long-term deal, which says to me three-ish years. What about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. And I think, I think particularly after the lockdown, we're all craving to get back and feel kind of the excitement, the buzz of the big goal. And once they feel that, they'll realise what a great place it can be to play. So three years, perfect sort of timeline for that, in my opinion. And I just think... As opposed to the empty stands and these low capacity grounds against second tier fodder and you know your part time teams, it'll just be brilliant when we're back and they can experience what Hearts is all about. And I think um, Janelli's Janelli's really important, especially with Guy Mackay Stephen, who I don't really want to brush over because I, I felt he had a very very good forty five minutes. But as we mentioned, that front three. Of Janelli on one side, Gary Mackay Stephen on the other, Boyce up top, and Nasey in the hole. That legitimately could do incredible things. Yeah, it, listen, if that Aloha performance is a sign of things to come, then I'm I'm very encouraged. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you though, because obviously we're talking about Irving and Josh Janelli getting offered deals. I don't get that same confidence that Stephen Kingsley's gonna sign on. Do you get that same feel? Um, I'm. I don't know because the, the, I would have some confidence purely just because the only reason we're not hearing about it is that Kingsley himself said he wanted to get the festive period out of the way, then start speaking about a contract. I think what that reads as is he wants to see if we can come out of this festive period dominant in the league. So he goes right. I'm definitely going to be playing in the Premiership next season. Do you think that is rather than looking at potential suitors in January? I, I hope that's what it is. He said he's incredibly, incredibly happy here and that he's really enjoying it. Um, but I think just as a player, you're going to keep your cards close to your chest because if you appear too eager, the club will give you a less contract because they feel like, well, you want to be here anyway. If you kind of keep it close to your chest, they'll fe- they'll maybe give you more money or something like that to try and make you stay. So... Currently, I wouldn't worry. If we start getting into kind of end of February, March time and we've had nothing, then I would imagine he's not going to re-sign. Well, that's fair enough. I, I just like... I just think you look at even when Hearts brought him in, he'd sort of been training with Falkirk and then we swoop and bang, he's off. It, mm-hmm. I think... Do you know what? I, I, I don't know why I feel like this, but I just... I get, the, I get a horrible feeling in my stomach that I feel... If I were to choose sort of a nightmare destination, I just think that Celtic need a rebuild in the summer, and I can't see them forking out with, uh, forking out for Diego Laxalt, given Peter Lowell's stinginess. 
I think Kingsley's an upgrade on Greg Taylor. I was sort of thinking about other potential clubs that could come in. I think Aberdeen play with a back three, and that's a sideways step. Rangers might lose Borna Barisic, but I think if they go on and win the league, they'll be able to you know, attract a better calibre of player. So I think Celtic aside, if he's looking to stay in Scotland, he won't get any better than us. And it's whether some clowns down south come in, but they're probably not looking at Hearts in the second tier. At least I hope that's not the case. Well, we will just have to wait and see, but you again, perfect segue onto players that we need to bring in because Nielsen's made it very, very clear that he still wants another striker. He's also, in the last kind of two days, announced that with Ollie Lee's departure, he has four midfielders lined up in his head alongside Joe Savage. They want to narrow that down to two, then try and get, I imagine, one of them in. We are going to spend the kind of last few minutes before previewing the Wraith game just discussing because one of the main people spoken about is Louis Moult. Um, of course, currently at Preston North End, Joe Savage's former club. He recently followed Hearts on Twitter, and in the last 48 hours, apparently his wife has also followed Hearts on Twitter. But oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently. So I haven't actually been able to see that myself, but according to Aaron Fraser, um, his wife has followed us on Twitter. But I think we're going to have differing views on this, so I'm going to go to you first. Okay. What's your thoughts on Louis Moult coming to the club? I'd be delighted. I, I, I really, I really would be delighted. I just think you need only look at his Motherwell record. I, I was doing some research earlier on. Soccerbase.com have thirty-eight goals in seventy-seven appearances. That is just a ridiculous record. Eighteen goals, sort of in all comps in his debut year. Premiership proven, and in my opinion the perfect partner for Liam Boyce I just what I can't sort of get my nut around is and I'm a big fan of this sort of premiership proven route that we're taking is why does it have to take for Hearts to be relegated in order to potentially have a better window than when we're in the top tier guess the argument is Robbie Nielsen wasn't there last time (laughs) well that's true that's true I I think it is I don't know Nielsen's just been I was speaking about this on Twitter the other day, actually. Nielsen's always been defined by getting what he needs and not being too flashy or ridiculous. Often, especially since he left. Like, mind that January where Cathal got about 11 players in? All of them were pretty much piss poor. Exactly. Nielsen, I don't think, has ever made more than, like, five signings in a window outside a big summer when we went up the first time. I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned that because I think... I, I sort of thought back to that first season and when he brought in the likes of Igor Rossi as an unknown, Arno Doom obviously arrived in September, October as an unknown. The only really signing that was built up was sort of Juwan Oshiniwa and that proved out to be the worst one. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know whether this is just me being superstitious or whatever, but if we can keep this Louis Moult deal, you know, under wraps and just calm down a little bit, then maybe we're on to something. I, d- I don't know. Just We'll just dismiss it. If it happens, brilliant. If it doesn't, okay. We, we, sh- we should still have enough to get out of the division and then then it might be a case of finding you know, a, a Rossi or Doom equivalent to play up front. 
not in terms of their actual playing ability I just mean in terms mm-hmm. of an unknown that like Wanma another Wanma mm-hmm. but um, we'll see I, I am slightly less up for it purely in the short term see seeing the long term I'd be I'd be happy with it I think as everything you said does add up two issues that I have though and one of them funnels into the other is injuries I knew you were going to say that <laughs> Which is a point. It is a point given our track record. Both in short term and in long term. Short term, he's out for the, the next six weeks at least. So he's not going to be able to... But even if we sign him tomorrow when this podcast goes out, he's not going to make his appearance until the beginning of March, mid-March. I feel we need someone in quicker than that. Just a big physical striker. I also don't really feel Louis Mo is that build... I, f- I worry he's too similar to Boyce. However, obviously, Boyce with a partner does does work out well. But then in the long term, if we say we did get him and we were just like, no, we don't need him for this season. Say we, for example, say we signed him this season and then also signed a striker on loan for four months or until the end of the season that was a big physical guy. I'd be like, right, cool, perfect. The worry is just keeping him fit because if he keeps fit, I would back I would back him and I'd be really happy with the signing. So I hope people don't take this as me going, No, I don't want us to sign the remote. Like I'd be fine with it as long as he stays fit. And I just don't know if he can. So you'll be dismissing the Kyle Lafferty potential yeah, rumor no, being right, touted about as well. That was the thing. Right. See with Lafferty, if he's to sign, I only want it until the end of the season. End of the season. That's even it. even I, without like a potential sort of optional extension no no nothing like that I don't want him in the premiership because Fair I want I don't want our starting striker to be 34 going on 35 in the prem I want someone that we can build with Boyce I feel we can build with Louis Moult even we could build with Lafferty would be fine this season I guess but I just feel that what he brings isn't what we need just now and I don't think he fits into Nielsen's style of play at all not even I don't know this is just me throwing this out there not even if we were to sort of bring on the likes of Naismith and Lafferty if we're chasing a game would that not appeal to you at all no no because I'd rather have a youth come through you'd rather Craig Whiten I would rather genuinely I would rather Craig Whiten I know people think that's ridiculous but first he's still our top goal scorer this season and secondly, I feel like we Nielsen's turning him into a player. Obviously, there is the worry that he was just completely omitted from the squad on Saturday. Um, hopefully, it's just a wee nickel and injury, and it's not that he's fallen out with Robbie. But I, ju- I don't think Lafferty is the right place to go just now. He worked very well for us in that season. I'd rather that was it, because it never works well the second time around unless your name is Rudy Scatchell. Or, or even... Jim Jeffries from a Hearts perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's fair enough, mate. I, 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 listen, you're entitled to your opinion. I think you've given decent justification. I, I just don't know. I think Eamon Brophy going to St Mirren was sort of a big one, wasn't it? I'd, yeah. have, ta- I'd have taken that. I just... I don't know who else is available. I, I, I sort of mentioned Ross Stewart the other week. Can't see us mm-hmm. signing him. 
I don't know. Thing, we, maybe, we maybe will just do another Nielsen where he just signs this unknown and he's fine. We've never heard of Osman So. No, or, or Juanma, like I said. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, moving back ever so slightly from up front to midfielders, as Robbie said, he is looking for a replacement for Ali Lee. I don't have anyone specific in mind. However, do you? <sighs> yes and no. Right. Is my answer to that. Obviously, is it Alan Campbell. No, because because <laughs> because I just I, I the Alan Campbell thing was more. I think there's talk of him going to Millwall, isn't there? Alongside yeah. sort of Hibs and Aberdeen, Millwall seem to be the latest club to register an interest. So he seems less likely as time goes on. I woke up from my afternoon nap, given I obviously worked the early mornings. To see that Jack Wilshere had signed for Bournemouth, so we've obviously missed out there. Um, no, That's I, not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, Adam. <laughs> He's crocked, isn't he? No, I, I don't know. <sighs> I, I, I did have a wee browse sort of on transfer mark, but I don't know. A, a, a few weeks back, I'd only really touted Campbell, uh, Liam Polworth, and Aaron Tishbola of Kelly, who I think is decent, but. Mm-hmm. from what I saw from Motherwell at the weekend against Rangers I think it's only a matter of time before they climb that premiership table yeah. can't see either of them coming to hearts so maybe they're just headed for down south Kelly I don't know about and listen I think I think we should be able to do better than Aaron Tishbola but when I was looking at sort of attacking midfielders um, on transfer market there was a couple you know interesting names I don't know whether <laughs> None of them really are all that realistic, but I thought about somebody even like, and this is this might just be pie in the sky. This might if just you be... say Mesut Ozil, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> no, he said it to Fenerbahce, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I thought of somebody. Wait now, wait now, don't say. Oh, he's headed to Fenerbahce as if like. <laughs> If he would have got a <laughs> Gorgi of Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I just thought of somebody like even... This might be ridiculous given the career that he's had and sort of the clubs oh, that he's been at. But I think, we're, I think we're yet to see the best of him. Is Ravel Morrison just out of the question? No. Could we not, what? Could we no not go in for a Ravel him. Morrison? I'm no having that fucking arsehole here. Why? Oh, he's a... I, do, I legitimately... He is one of those players that just... Every single club he's went to, he's went with that... Tag. Exactly that, like, tag, where it's like, he's got he's got big potential if he just gets his head down. And he's never had his head down, ever. He's, he's the definition of, like, Nile Ranger and all that. Like, just... Had talent, but completely squandered it. Yesteryear's kind of tomorrow man, and it's just never arrived. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's fair enough. I, I don't know, attacking midfield was interesting. Let's like get I, Bojan in. We spoke about him earlier. Let's get him in. Where's like, he now? The, like I say, the, the, the options were interesting, and I couldn't help but notice Enzo Zidane. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could have our own Gorgie Zidane. <laughs> Let's do that just for the patter. Even if he's shite. Imagine Andy Andy Irving, Andy Halliday and the Gorgie Zidane <laughs> as a midfield trio. Wow. Wow. I will say, actually, just as we come up to the end, I thought Andy Halliday was quite good on Saturday. There's there's more to come. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm, I, Don't wait there. 
I hear the smugness in your voice. No. He is not suddenly no. turned into the best player in the world. No, he, just but... had, he had an alright game. He did what we would expect Andy Howard to do against Aloha. This, this is a signing that I'd hope for. So I've, I've got to back him. There's more to come. I've got every faith. Every faith that he'll deliver. But as for any midfield targets to sort of slot in alongside him, I'm really stumped. I don't know. Again, yeah. you've touched on it there. Maybe it is just a case of Nielsen's got somebody in mind and another Arno Doom. I don't know. I hope so. I really hope so. However, we will not have him for this Saturday's game against Wraith Rovers. Oh, nice if it luck. does indeed... See, I'm fucking good at this. <laughs> 28 episodes now. Um, so, we don't even know if the game will go ahead. Of course, Wraith had their game postponed at the weekend due to an outbreak of COVID as this is the first week that all championship clubs are testing. However, today in the evening news, Robin Nielsen said he expects the game to go ahead due to the fact that the isolation period ends on Friday. We are playing them on Saturday. We're going to just go ahead in our minds that the game is going to be played. How are you feeling about it when you also have to take it into consideration? We will speak about it next week, but we are playing them away three days later. Yeah, Listen, I've got every faith that, that we'll get the results necessary. I think you need to only look at the start that they sort of made. And Wraith, Wraith prior to the season starting, were kind of there were suggestions that they'd struggle with being a newly promoted team, but the Championship's not really phased them. I, th- I think they've got a couple decent players in their ranks, to be honest. Has Manny Duku gone on to actually be quite good? Because he was classing that cup game against us and I've not really heard he was and, and I was going to say exactly that I think if we keep him quiet then we nullify most of the threat I, I like the fact I like the boy um, Kai Kennedy that signed on loan from Rangers he was at Inverness and was developing nicely under Robo I think yeah. that's a real coup for Wraith to sort of s- sneak in and sign him um, Reagan Hendry a decent midfield general who I'd, obviously I've interviewed before really nice guy and a I know he's misses, so that's how I know him. But he's right. a good player. Uh, even somebody like him, maybe f- for for a, a long term Ollie Lee replacement, I wouldn't be overly against the boy mm-hmm. Dylan Tate as well. Is highly rated in midfield, so couple de- couple decent players. But I don't think we should be having any sort of real issues. I'm basically the same. Um, I think this preview here is going to be harder than next week's because we'll have a much better understanding of how the game's going to go. However. Yeah. I do, I do agree. We should be able to get it done. I would really like how it, my main point is. I would like Popescu to play instead of Berra, and I want to see Janelli, Boyce, and Garam Kai Stevens start. I would go along with just about all of that. I, I was surprised. I thought you might be inclined to sort of give your back into Whiten because obviously he scored that hat trick against them in in the Betfred. Would you not? Would you not consider even bringing him in? Fuck it, aye. Let's do that. And then, because then that will allow Boyce time to be fit for the away game, which I think he'll be better suited to because he'll have to hold the ball up a lot more. Exactly. And and then, even then, if at Tiny we are in an unfortunate position and we have to chase the game, bring him on. I'd I'd, I'd be inclined to start Craig White, personally. I just hope he's fine. I just hope he's yeah. all right. Would this is the thing we we just don't know the script I, I just thought that was really bizarre on Saturday I couldn't yeah. get my nut around that at all but definitely a weird one however thank you very much for listening to our very bumper filled 
episode. Uh, it's been basically the same length as last week. So massive, massive thank you if you're still listening to this. Um, so yeah, we are Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials, Perth to Paisley on everything. We're also on YouTube if you want to watch an image at the same time as listening to this. That is much appreciated. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice as it massively helps us out. It just algorithms and stuff like that requires it. Uh, if you want to get us individually on social media, Adam, where can they get you? You can get me at Adam T. Kendall, and I realise that I've said personally a lot, so you could check all my personal tweets out there. Just want to give a quick shout out to Dusty as well, by the way, who finally... Oh, she got it right! Exactly, has registered another correct prediction. So, fingers crossed that this kickstarts a, a guessing streak. Yourself on Twitter? hope so i really do hope so i am at mckyver the mark to see all my fantastic tweets about medicine however thank you very much for listening we'll see you next week for reviews of the wraith game previews of the upcoming wraith game and previews of the dumb game but until then see you next time